Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. I originally was going to call it patience and persecution, but as the word kind of progressed, it kind of goes a little beyond that, so I didn't know what to call it, so I just called it there's a process because I'm going to take you through a little bit of a process tonight. That reveals the purpose and the patience and persecution. We're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. This was kind of the first culminating verse that he gave me, that the rest of it came from. Verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongly. So, I want, to, I want to look at this passage because this whole little thing is we're going to dissect it because this is what the whole message is based around. This is the point that the Lord wanted to kind of bring home. This is thankworthy. And I think the implication is that it's thankworthy by God. Like this is something that God is grateful for. When we endure grief, suffering wrongly because of our conscience towards God. When we are willing because we are convicted and we are willing to stand for God and others don't like it and come against us for it, it, God is thankful for that when we do that. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, in the first part he says, what glory is it if you're buffeted for your faults and you take it patiently? Now, I think for most Americans, we're like, oh, well, you know, they corrected me and, and I handled it with humility and that's good for me. Well, he's saying, no, there's no glory for that. That's kind of expected. You were corrected and in actuality, God is watching, and when we don't take correction well, then that's counted against us. But it's not so much a glory to us when we do take it well. He says, no, actually, when you do well and you suffer for it and still take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. So when you're doing something right, when you're doing good, like Jesus who never did anything wrong, but you're buffeted for it, or when the Lord tells you to do something or to, to, or to say something or to help someone and it, they turn around and blow it up in your face and, or hurt you or slander you or come against you or persecute you or when you're standing on the truth of God's word and people hate you or despise you for it or come against you or people become jealous of you because like Joseph in the, the Bible, the story where he was being obedient to God and he told people the dreams and the things that the Lord had showed him that were coming and he kept trying to do the right thing and because he was doing the right thing God showed him favor and so other people because God showed him favor favor began to be jealous of him and to work against him and to buffet him he says when you're in these situations and you handle it with grace and with patience these are the things that God deems to be acceptable these are the things that he is thankful for for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. He's saying this is what we were actually called to do. And this is what most people don't understand. They, they think you get saved to be blessed and, and 
have everything turn out just perfect all the time. No, it's a war. The enemy's going to buffet you when you do what's right. The enemy's going to come against you. All right? When you start up the 120-day prayer campaign again with 2,000 churches across the nation, your cat ends up at the vet. That's The devil will buffet you. The devil will come against you. But when you handle these things with patience and with grace and with faith, Jesus being our example, who suffered for us, though he did nothing wrong, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Right? He did nothing wrong and he wasn't slanderous or mean or cruel. He said nothing wrong except the things that the Lord, that God told him to say. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So when Jesus was talked down about, he didn't talk down back. When he was gossiped about, he didn't gossip back. When he was slandered, he didn't slander back. Who his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For ye were as sheep gone astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our souls. You know, it's hard enough for us to get to a point where we can handle our corrections gracefully. But God's not all that impressed with that. He expects that. In fact, we're cursed if we don't do that. But he is thankful when we're able to handle persecutions. He is grateful when we're able to handle with the right character and the right spirit when things come against us undeservingly. When we're trying to obey him and people hate us for it. When we're trying to go to church and then all of our friends turn against us for it. When we're trying to advance in our faith and people get jealous about it and think you're getting more attention than them and then throw a little hissy fit. These things happen, but God is actually pleased. He's not pleased that it happened, but he's pleased with us when we handle it with patience. Now, understanding this concept, I want to go to Matthew 5, verse 3. We're going to read through the Beatitudes. Because I want you to notice just how many of the Beatitudes that exercising this character that we just talked about fulfills. Right? When others are coming against you for doing things right, or for doing what the Lord says, or for standing on Scripture, or for standing with God, and people come against you for it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does that apply? I think the first one applies to the, that characteristic. You're usually pretty poor in spirit whenever you're trying to do what's right and people are persecuting you for it. So I think it, that says you're blessed when that happens. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, that one probably doesn't always apply, but I think for the Christians in Afghanistan right now, that applies. They're mourning because people are dying because that they're standing for the gospel. So it definitely can apply to that characteristic. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You have to be meek to handle slander and gossip and persecution and, and being talked about and hated because you're doing what God told you to do. So I think that one applies. 
Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's probably indirectly applying because if you're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you're not going to stand and keep pursuing God when others hate you for it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That one definitely applies because you're being merciful to those who are being cruel to you, and because of it, God will show mercy to you on the day of judgment. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. That applies. You will be heartbroken when these things happen, but if you handle it with patience and keep having faith, then God's going to bless you for it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I think that one applies. You are trying to keep the peace when people are reviling you and you're not reviling back. When people are, are trying to stir you up into a fight and you're not willing to take the bait. When people are cursing you and you won't curse back. When people are trying to get you into a debate and you're refusing to debate. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That definitely applies. That kind of sums up the whole point of the passage. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. That's exactly what the passage was about. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. So to me, almost every, if not every, aspect of the Beatitudes or the things that Jesus said are blessed can go back to the description given in that passage about those who are willing to handle it whenever you are reviled for doing good, when you handle it with patience and with the right characteristic. When you remember Jesus and it says, remember that you were saved to go through these things. You know, don't think it's strange. It will happen. These are not things that the American church are used to. They think that's why they come up with all these crazy doctrines that make them feel like they'll never have to go through anything. They'll never go through any sort of tribulation. They'll never, God will never bring judgment. God will never destroy this nation. God will never do this. God will never do that. That's not the God of Scripture. He is just. And he does things for a purpose. The purpose is because he's taking you through a process. It's a purification process. He does it with individuals. He does it with the whole church, the bride of Christ. He does it with whole nations. And he does it because of mercy, not because he wants to. He would rather do it the easy way, of course, but he loves us enough that he's not willing to leave us in a state that would cause us to be separated from him. So he takes us through a process. And the process goes something like this. Faith, true faith, produces patience. Because if you really believe, then you'll wait to see the promise. True faith produces patience. Patience will produce endurance. And endurance will bring you to the victory or the destination. But we go through a process. It starts with faith. 
The devil will attack your faith first. That's always going to be his first thing. So the first battle is usually a battle in the mind. He's going to attack your faith first. Then he'll attack your patience second. If you've got to the point where you're like, no devil, you're not going to attack my faith. I, I'm overcoming this mind battle. God said it. I believe it. I'm standing on it. It's going to happen. The next thing he's going to do is attack your patience. Okay, well, why don't you step out? You know God's going to do it, so let's just go do it. Let's go get it. You know this is your calling. Let's just step. Moses, Moses, you know that you're called to deliver the Israelites. Come on, let's go do it. He stepped out and killed the Egyptian. The devil will attack your patience if he can't attack your faith. After the patience, if you've come to the point where you've learned, I have to wait on the Lord. Nobody's going to take this from me. I don't have to make it happen. I'm going to sit in my wilderness and learn my lessons and be prepared for what's coming. Once you get past the point where he can attack your patience, the next thing he's going to do is attack your endurance because he's trying to stop your victory. So press on, believe, wait, endure, receive. Believing is hard. Once you've mastered that, waiting is hard. It's in the waiting that the temptations come. But once you've mastered that, then enduring is hard because it's in this enduring that the attacks will come. But once you've mastered that, victory comes. Right? Jesus is our example. That's what the first passage said. Jesus believed. So then he was tempted in the wilderness. The devil tried to get him to jump ahead of God's plan or do it an easier way. Here, you can do it this way where you don't have to go through Gethsemane. Just worship me. But Jesus waited. So then the devil moved to attacking him, which caused Jesus to have to endure through Calvary. And because he endured through Calvary, through the attacks, then he received the victory. I'm giving you this as a process so you can understand when it happens and not be discouraged by it. Because the truth is, is that few people truly believe. You know, when people first get saved, they, they start to, okay, I believe this, I believe that. But even fewer people will wait for the real. God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a relationship. He has a marriage. He has a ministry. He has a purpose. He has a destination. He has something real for you. Wait for it because the devil's going to come with temptations just like he did to Jesus and say, here, take this. It's quick. It's easy. You won't have to suffer to get it. But it's not the real thing. So, few truly believe, but fewer than that still wait for the real. And I think extremely few endure. That's why the greats of faith who walked in mighty victories are so few and far between. When you look at people in scripture or the great revivalist of history, and you say, why are there so few of them? Because this process weeds them out. Very few go through. Some believe, not too many wait, almost none endure. So the victories are very few. But they don't have to be. You can be one. You can be the next great of scripture. You can be the next great revivalist. You can be the one born for such a time as this, but you're going to have to be willing to believe to have patience, and to endure. And then you will see the victories.
because the devil will tempt and test. And if he can't get you at that, he will attack. And he will try to discourage you with that. But those who endure till the end, they shall be saved. Moses, I think, is another good example of this. Moses believed in Egypt. He waited in the wilderness, on the backside of the wilderness, tending to his father-in-law's flock for 40 years. And then he endured with the Israelites in their wilderness. That was a very enduring trial. They, they were hard to deal with, to say the least. They tried to kill him constantly, and he still prayed for them and led them. And But for it, he saw the victory. So he had to believe, he had to have patience, and he had to endure. The question you might want to ask yourself tonight is, where are you in the process? And set your heart on endurance. Because those who endure till the end, they are the ones that shall be saved or they shall see the victory. They will make it to the promise. The fact that you need to endure means that it won't always be easy. There will be resistance. It means that you have to keep coming back to Jesus daily for strength, wisdom, direction, and an infilling of his spirit. So let's break it down a little bit more. From the beginning, we said faith produces patience. So pull up James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So the faith lead you to the ability to endure. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally and abrideth not, and it shall be given unto him. So James tells us, don't be surprised when trials come, things come to tempt and to test. Count it joy, you're progressing from faith to patience. If you handle it rightly, it will help you to produce endurance and get you to the promise. Now, he says, if you don't understand, it's hard to have patience when you don't understand. He says, ask God. Take the time to seek God. He will give you instruction. He will give you counsel. He will give you understanding. I would say that in the season when you're dealing with patience, in the waiting, in the wilderness, in the tempting, God is more than willing to give you clarity and to speak to you and to help you understand. When you move past that to the point of endurance, he still gives you things, but not quite so much because you're usually maturing and progressing so much that he's taking you through things that are so big that it's hard for you to really comprehend it all. So he can't give you the clarity as much as he could in the, the training season, but he'll give you the steps. He'll give you the pieces. The truth is, is that by the time you're in the endurance, you already have the faith and the assurance because of what you went through and the patience to know that he's going to come through even if it takes a while. He's going to be there for you. It's going to work out for the good. Doesn't seem like it in the moment. Keep trusting him. There's a reason. He'll strengthen you for what he's bringing you to. In the waiting, your faith is tested. In the wilderness season, you are tempted of the devil to take matters into your own hands, to find an easier way, or to use God's gifts for selfishness. 
These are the way that the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And these are the way he's going to tempt you. He told Jesus, oh, you're fasting, you're hungry. Why don't you turn that rock into bread? The devil will tempt you to try to use God's gift for selfish reasons. In your wilderness, there's a reason God's taking you through these things. He's teaching you not only how to use your gifts, but how to use them rightly. And he's helping you to develop the right character. I think in the endurance time is really when the character is tested, probably more than any other. Um, the devil tried to tempt Jesus to find an easier way. He said, if you just worship me, I'll give you all the nations of the world. Well, Jesus was going to be king of the world anyway, but he was going to have to go through Gethsemane to do it. God's going to get you to the right destination, but it's not always going to be the easy road. Don't let the devil tempt you to take the easy road. It always comes at a cost. If you handle this season the right way and you pass the test, then you'll learn most of the lessons that you're going to learn in your walk of faith in this season. Your cave season, your wilderness season, your season of waiting, that's all your, your patience seasons. And it's in that season that you're going to learn most of your lessons that you're going to then draw from in the endurance seasons or that you're going to help to teach others who need to get to where you're going. So seek God constantly and don't assume to know anything. Hebrews 10 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So believe, have patience, endure, the promise will come. So once you get this part down, the patience, the waiting part, God will send you out and things will start moving. Then the enemy will stop tempting and start all out attacking. So now you need steadfastness or endurance. Go to Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says, For this cause we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So he's praying to that. He's telling the Colossians, I, I want you to have God's wisdom and understanding. Listen to what I'm telling you. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his gracious power unto all patience and long-suffering. That long word long-suffering would be the same as endurance. Being able to endure, to suffer for a long time and still maintain your faith. Long-suffering with all joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us Meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. You can just keep reading that chapter because it preaches. They just got to find a place to stop. But he wants us to receive the inheritance, and that's what it comes down to. The reason he's letting us go through these processes is because he wants us to receive the inheritance. 
and it's scripture is clear. Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. No sin or unrighteousness can enter into heaven. God has made a way for us to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to hear his spirit, to choose to follow its leading and to obey it. So he takes us through a sanctification process that takes patience and that takes endurance because not only will the devil constantly be tempting you to quit, but then once he realizes he can't tempt you to quit, then he'll start attacking you to try to get you to quit. The devil works through manipulation, and when that doesn't work, he shifts to intimidation. He does it in individuals. He does it in nations. This nation has been under a spirit of witchcraft and manipulation. That stopped working. It's shifting to intimidation. It's just how the devil works. But those who endure get through to the promised victory. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried or tested, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Or we could look at it another way, the way it's written in Romans chapter 5 verse 3 which basically says the same thing with different terminology, but in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Remember, our first passage was about not being satisfied with simply handling with patience and the right character when we are buffeted for the things we've done wrong, but being able to do that for even the things we've done right. In Romans, it says that we should glory in tribulations when people rise against us, when people are jealous, when people fight against us for doing what's right. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience, right? Because if you have the experience, then you will have endurance because you know that God will come through, that there's a purpose. Experience worketh hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, the promise will come. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That when we go through, just like Jesus, we see that God is faithful to his promises. And that it is all worth it in the end. And not only us, but others get to see it also. And it builds their faith and gives them endurance and helps them have patience. So you're doing it for a purpose. There's a process. So Lord, we come before you tonight, and we thank you for the simple word, the simple reminder. We ask that you help us to remember it daily in every situation, Lord, to help us to respond with grace and with patience. When people come against us, when demons come against us through people and trials and situations, Lord, we might come to you in the prayer closet and, and let it all out, but let us rightly represent you to others and show forth your humility and your kindness. Let us be like you, Jesus, who didn't bicker and argue and fight back against those who railed against you, Lord, that we might speak with patience and grace and bear the fruits of your spirit. Help us to endure attacks of the enemy, trials and tribulations. Lord, we know that you are faithful 
and that all of these things work together a greater weight of glory for us in eternity. And blessed are we when we endure these things. Let us not think something strange has happened, but let us rejoice that it is storing up for us treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, that you will pay back. There is a reckoning coming, Lord. You are the one who pays the just rewards. So, Lord, we forgive our persecutors. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, we forgive those who speak and rail against us. They do not understand what they are doing. Lord, we ask for their forgiveness. And we ask for them to have conviction and understanding that they might receive deliverance. In the name of Jesus, we ask for strength of character, for the fruits of your spirit, for patience, for long-suffering, for endurance. Because we know, Lord, that it will help us to get to the promise that if we don't quit, we will win. If we don't give up, we will receive our rewards in the end. And we thank you in faith for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.